By recognizing that this is part of me, this is how I react in these situations, we're starting to extract some of that rational understanding from the emotion. And that's, to me, what allows us to change that behavior into something that is more positive to us. This is what you are working with. Anything else outside of that might be a learned behavior that's not actually you and how you emotionally process. Hello and welcome to Full Circle, the Magic Mindset Podcast. I am Leia Lilly, one of your hosts, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Carlberg. We aim to bridge the gap between my study of astrology and Matt's study of psychology and sociology. Each week, we discuss a specific theme and approach it from two different perspectives to come to a deeper understanding from both an astrological and psychological perspective. If you missed out on any of our previous episodes, you can catch up at leahlily.com slash fullcirclepodcast or on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube by searching for Full Circle Podcast. For the taste of the theme this week, I'm going to give a little sneak peek to next week's episode because it's the best way that I know to introduce this topic, which has actually been a really important part of my personal growth journey. So when I was younger, I would often get into these moods and I couldn't describe why I was in a mood, what the mood was, or when I'd be able to snap out of it and you know come back to reality. I took these moods that were generally negative out on the people around me, and I knew what I was doing wasn't fair, but I didn't know how to stop it. I couldn't stop it or I wouldn't stop it. Luckily, I've learned a lesson from all this. And it came at a steep, steep price, but I learned about emotional intelligence, which is what we're going to talk about today. We'll go into more detail about my personal journey in next week's episode, but for now, let's leave that as a cliffhanger. Off to the astrological update. We are still in the midst of Scorpio season, lasting from October 23rd to November 22nd. The Scorpio season element I want to talk about today, we've been exploring one every week. The one I want to talk about today, though, is passion. While Scorpio is known for being deep and mysterious and honest, it's also known for its bottomless, intense passion. Passion is defined as a strong, barely controllable emotion. It's that swell we feel when we're doing something we love or when we're spending time with someone that fills us up. It's also that rush of anger that zaps through your body when you've been offended or that lump in your throat that eventually turns to tears when life's just a little too much. Passion has so many different iterations, but like the scorpion stinger, it's piercing, direct, and sometimes all-consuming. This week, I want to encourage you to explore passion in your life right now. This could be in an activity you're involved in or love doing, maybe a craft or a hobby you're currently spending time on, 
or maybe even think about the people that you're passionate about. You might also explore your emotional passion as well. What emotions do you personally express with a lot of passion? The way we individually experience passion and what we feel, as well as what we're individually passionate about, may be different, but we each have passion inside us longing to be expressed. Some good questions to ask yourself are, how would I like to show more of my passion? Where is my passion hindered right now? Do I need to spend more or less time on things I'm passionate about? Do I express my passion in a way that serves me? Mercury is still in retrograde, and it's also asking us to explore healthy ways to express our emotions. I'll be honest, this one is hitting me and some others that I've spoken to pretty hard right now, especially during Scorpio season, where we've already got all this emotional depth and intensity going on already. Mercury is retrograde in Scorpio until November 20th, just adding more Scorpio energy into the mix. If you want to learn more about how to navigate this Mercury in retrograde, you can check out a resource that we've shared in our show notes. This week, there's going to be a full moon gracing us on Tuesday, November 12th at 7.34 a.m. Central Time. If you haven't been getting the hint that it's time to face your inner truth, this full moon is going to be screaming that at you. It's time to quiet out the noise. This means all of the opinions of others, your own judgments of yourself, and any other distractions so you can hear your inner truth clearly. If you've never done this before or never made space for yourself to listen within, now is going to be the time. We spend so much of our time seeking a reflection of ourselves in others and in the world around us that we don't often look within. Now is that time. Full moons can be emotional and intense, and I recommend making some space for yourself to be alone and reflect on Tuesday. Leia and I took an IQ test before this week's episode, and we felt like it would be a fun idea for us to recount our feelings from taking the test, uh, talking through some of the questions, how we felt while we were taking it, and what happened when the final reveal came of what the website thought our IQ was. So I guess first question to you, Leia, what did you think about that experience? It was interesting. It's interesting to take like little quizzes like that, I think as an adult now, because when I was younger, it always gave me so much anxiety. How are you as a, a test taker? How was taking this test for you? Yeah, so I think for me, taking tests has always been the easiest part. It's it's like sitting down and actually doing the work that's the hard part. So I think, or at least like to think that I excel at things like the ACT and the SAT and IQ tests where it's like, yeah, you can study and yeah, it probably helps. But at the end of the day, you're getting quizzed over a variety of topics that it'd be a lot of work to study for. And maybe I'm outing myself as a terrible student, but I've always liked that kind of thing. And one of the things that I really like about this is we have a really discreet result at the end that we can like talk about and and know about. But I do think there were a couple times where we were taking the exam And I mean, we were talking to each other while we were taking it, not about answers or anything, but I know there were a couple of times for you as well, where it was literally, you'd look at a question 
And it was just immediate frustration. And it was like, oh my God, how do they expect me to know the answer to this one? Or like, this one doesn't even have an answer. Things like that. And I think that that's a really interesting analogy for what we'll talk about the rest of the episode too, right? Like just how frustrating it can be to not know the answer. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting too, because it's, it's giving me a sort of insight into understanding what your goal is when you go into a test or when you're answering questions like that. And, and you put it to me really interestingly, just in one of our conversations recently that it's like solving little puzzles. It's just like doing little, little puzzles. And once I sort of shifted into that mindset, it's like, oh, it's kind of fun to like test and see if I can find the right answer when answer choices are given, which is my favorite kind of test. I'm not going to (laughs) lie to kind of be like, okay, like, let me try some things. And like, let me look at different ways I could solve this. It's, it was kind of fun in certain respects. And then, yeah, like you were saying, you get to a question where it's like, are you kidding? Like, this seems absolutely impossible. But then it's like, oh, remember that puzzle curiosity? It's like, okay, yeah, let me see if I can figure this out. The point of this exam and the IQ test that we took, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it was just such an interesting analogy to me of, you know, when you feel like your intelligence is being tested, we we felt all these things. And it's the same thing when our emotional intelligence is is being tested, or it's not quite where we want to be. It can be very frustrating. We can feel dumb. And it can lead to a lot of miscommunications or or hurt feelings as well. And I think that we can get more into that in the academic portion coming up next. Earlier, we talked about my personal journey. One other area that I've really been trying to improve is my personal style. This week's sponsor is the perfect resource for anyone looking to up their style game. Blacklisted Bandits & Co. was started by Nick and Demi Peterson. Their goal is to help you break out of the fashion molds that have existed for too many years. Much like we feel here on the Full Circle Podcast, they believe that true acceptance and comfort come from within. Your style should be an expression of how you feel. Blacklisted Bandits & Co. was created to make your outsides match your insides. Visit them at blacklistedbanditsandco.com or through the link in our show notes and use code FULLCIRCLE for 25% off your purchase. I've already mentioned that I'm really, really excited about the theme for the next two weeks. Emotional intelligence is such an interesting thing to me. It's such an important part of who I am and and how I am trying to grow as a person. And so I'm really, really excited to talk about it. Emotional intelligence has been around as an idea for a very long time, but our current understanding really started in the 1990s. It is considered to be fathered, I guess, by Peter Salovey and John Mayer. And if I was a little bit hipper, I'd probably have a joke there. Emotional intelligence at its core is composed of four components. Those four components are perceiving emotions, reasoning with emotions, understanding emotions, 
and managing emotions. So to break each of those down a little bit further, it basically comes down to perceiving is is understanding those nonverbal signals, any of the body language, facial expressions, some of those things that we don't typically consider to be part of even like communication, like the specific words that we choose, our tone, all that type of stuff. It's picking up on those little itty bitty clues about what the other person is feeling. Reasoning with emotions is using your own emotion to promote thinking and other cognitive activity. So the idea here is how do you take what you are feeling and use that to drive some form of rational thought? At its core, emotion is, I don't want to say irrational because it makes it sound negative, but it's its not, it's the opposite of logical thought, right? It's just something that you feel. And so it's its turning that raw energy of feeling and putting it into some sort of mental power. Understanding emotions, I think, is the piece that I've struggled with the most in my life. And it's understanding the root cause of the emotion I am perceiving. I really struggle with it within myself, but I think I'm very good at it. And we've talked about this on other podcasts for both Leah and I, very good at it when I'm looking at other people's emotions. And so that would just be high empathy. Managing emotions is the last one. And this is regulating emotion and responding appropriately. And that's true for both emotions that you feel and emotions that other people around you are feeling. I think the best example of this is when you get really, really hot. Uh, You are furious about something and you fly off the handle and you say a bunch of things that you don't mean. It would be the opposite of regulating emotion and responding appropriately, right? Same is true if, if somebody is really flying off the handle at you and you respond in turn. The idea here is, again, kind of taking that raw energy and not stifling it, but channeling it in a way that makes sense for the situation. I think what these four concepts, what these four components really break down to in a way that we can actually use them is being aware of your emotions, being aware of other emotions, and then using that awareness to consider a situation before acting. So much like Matt mentioned at the beginning of today's episode, I struggled with my emotional intelligence when I was younger. And astrology is really personal. And so I think part of applying astrology to the emotional intelligence theme that we're exploring today is sharing how this has worked personally in my own life. So I'm going to share some of my personal journey of learning emotional intelligence and how that was demonstrated to me through astrology and self-awareness. And I think self-awareness is really at the heart of what astrology is. And that self-awareness helps you inform your emotional intelligence. So I've mentioned this briefly in past episodes, but my moon is in Scorpio. And we've talked a little bit about what the moon represents in in astrology terms, but just to make sure we're all on the same page, the moon rules our emotions and our moods and our feelings. 
it's likely a sign that you really identify with because it reflects your personality when you're alone and when you're deeply comfortable. It tells us what gives us a sense of security and where we find that sense of security. It describes how sensitive we are, how we feel things, and how we interact with our surroundings. And it also tells us about our childhood and our experiences with our mother, since the moon represents the feminine and the female. So our moon placement is really valuable in understanding our inherent emotional nature. But I didn't know that as a child, right? So growing up, I was very emotional. And I was often told that I was too sensitive, very sensitive, stop crying, like don't get so emotional about things by pretty much everyone around me. And it felt like the people around me didn't understand me. And I was often embarrassed when I got emotional or emotionally out of control. Really, any sort of emotional display, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to figure out a way to, to contain this. And I couldn't understand what was happening within me and why I couldn't stop it. I felt a lot and I felt things deeply, but I couldn't explain it or explain where it was coming from. And that was really difficult too. It just added to the whole weight of just feeling emotionally out of control. I found it hard to talk to people and open up and I was closed off emotionally and I shut down really easily. And as I got older, I started to have panic attacks, which I honestly think stemmed from what I like to call these like Elsa moments for me of trying to repress emotion. And then because of these like, because of that repression, these like icy blasts that are very dangerous, or in my case, panic attacks would come out. And I'll share more about my experience next week, but I wanted to share a little bit of my emotional turbulence to sort of demonstrate how crucial my understanding of myself became in reconciling all of this as I got older. So when I found out that my moon is in Scorpio, I'm not kidding you, everything made so much sense. I could finally understand the emotional turbulence that I had experienced in childhood why? Because some of the traits of people with a Scorpio moon are passionate, intense, sometimes overwhelmed by emotions, deep, private, have a hard time opening up, can sometimes be overbearing. All of that felt very resonant with me. So in addition to being like, wow, this is so specific and true to me, I began to get curious about others. So if my moon was in Scorpio and this is how I emotionally processed and expressed and had really my whole life, what could my parents and siblings and friends have as their moons and how would that relate to mine? So I began to understand the moons of people around me and look at the ways in which we interact. And I think in that way, it's very similar to the portion that Matt presented to us earlier. That perceiving stage is understanding your moon and understanding what's going on with you emotionally and inherently how you feel and process information and, and when it comes to your emotions. And then your reasoning comes in your Mercury. So then looking at Mercury and saying, okay, this is how I inherently feel. How does that, what processor does that go through? That's our Mercury because Mercury represents our mind and how we think and process information and share our thoughts and, and that rational sort of side of us. And then our understanding also comes through Mercury. So when someone's communicating that back to us, understanding how it's coming through your filter, 
And then managing and regulating comes in our sun sign to say, okay, how do we present this all on a daily basis? Because our sun is our personality. So how does our emotional nature reconcile with our personality? So be aware of your own emotions. Be aware of your moon and mercury and sun. Because your emotions and how you process them and how you show them becomes really clear sometimes when you look at them through this astrological context. And that's exactly what happened for me. And then it also really helps give you context to other people and what they're experiencing, what their emotional landscape is like, how they process information, and how they display all of that back to you. So being aware of other people's astrology can be really beneficial to know others, to learn their placements and learn how they deal with things so that you understand what you're coming to the table and and dealing with on both ends, on your end and the person across from you. And that has helped me consider a lot before acting in many situations now, because I have a better understanding of myself and a better understanding of what my placements are and what that means inherently for me. So I think what's similar in both Matt and my experience and why we were so excited about this theme is because for both of us, it came down to understanding our raw energy, kind of understanding what what we were bringing. And that's been a lot of Matt and I's relationship over the years that we've known each other is testing our emotional intelligence of each other to create a better, a better friendship. And, and I'm curious how you feel our emotional intelligence has improved over the the longevity (laughs) of time that we have known each other. Yeah. I think all we have to do is reference back to that, that episode where we talked about changing friendships and read those old emails to each other. And I think that our growth becomes pretty obvious. It's kind of massive. Yeah, I think so. I think that we were both starting from a pretty um, low-level place, low low emotional intelligence, at least for our own sakes. And we've we've definitely taken some strides since then. I do think, though, that a lot of our relationship, and I think a lot of the way that I've approached relationships in general, has been about improving the emotional intelligence amongst other things. I think that for me, one of the things that I have looked to others for is, you know, we both mentioned that that raw emotion and kind of it's a very volatile thing. And and then trying to pull reason and pull understanding from that and then put that understanding into something actionable which might be a pretty vague way of saying it. But I think that one of the things that I've really appreciated about our relationship and a couple of other close friendships that I've had over the last several years is being able to to now, in most cases at least, look at the emotions that I'm feeling and process those emotions, understand where they're coming from. And then I don't let, like I mentioned in the taste of the theme, I don't let those... I don't let those moods get to such a point where it's like I'm lashing out at people that don't understand why and can't make it stop. And now it's much more like, hey, worst case scenario, hey, I'm in kind of a mood. I'm aware of it. Let me just kind of deal with this one on my own for a little bit. And then we can come back together and it'll be a good time. 
Yeah, and something so interesting to me as I was prepping and thinking about this episode is when we are babies, when we're infants, we are more like our moon sign. And that is because when we are babies, we are exhibiting more emotion than we are like our personality. And that makes sense, right? You think of a baby and like babies are generally like happy and in a good mood or they need something and they're sad or they, you know, are crying because they have a need that needs to be filled. And as we get older, we start to develop our personality and then it becomes about reconciling our personality with our emotional side. And there's obviously like a lot more going on to that picture as well, but the sun and the moon in our charts are some of the biggest factors. They're some of the biggest planetary bodies, so they have the most impact or they're important. And, you know, we don't become equipped to start balancing those things until adulthood really. Like we're not doing it in our teenage years, as we clearly saw from our emails back and forth. Like, I think it becomes a wild roller coaster of trying to figure out my personality and who I am and trying to deal with these intense teenage emotions. And then that sort of slingshot starts to get a little less turbulent as we come into adulthood and say, yeah, how do I communicate? Hey, yeah, I just need some time. And then I'll come back to this in a little bit. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned you know, babies and toddlers and kind of that temperament. And I would be interested to kind of see if we, if we, I don't know, maybe had the time machine and, and looked at some specific points throughout our lives and kind of took stock of what that temperament was, knowing what we know now, but just kind of see what those gradual changes are. Because I think it's true. Like when you're a baby, you still feel those emotions. You still communicate them, although maybe not in an effective way, whether it's crying, throwing a tantrum, whatever it may be, but you're communicating and, and seeing how those methods change as we age and as we get more and more tools in our toolbox to communicate feelings and really starting to see where some of that emotional intelligence started to grow similar to the way that our regular intelligence began to grow. Yeah. And I mean, you think about how sensitive too babies are to energy, like what or not energy, but, um, emotion, right? When you smile at a baby and you're like engaging with them, sometimes you get a smile back. They recognize that emotion and then, you know, are filled with it themselves because they can feel it coming from you. And I wonder too, like, how does our, how does how we are affected by emotion change over time as well? And, you know, when we're babies, it's obviously very sensitive because that's the only way that we know to communicate. So that's the way we're perceiving. But then as we get older, are we still just as affected by emotions and energy as we were when we were a baby? Or does it, how does that grow and change for us as well? And I think some of that is, is reflected in your astrology and looking at your unique makeup and how those things blend together. But also just in our personal experience of describing it too, right? That's such an interesting concept that I actually hadn't really considered before. You know, when you're you're a baby and you're taking in all those emotions, it's you learning, okay, this is how you communicate those things. And so understanding like, you know, how spongy are we as children? Are we taking all that in and then holding on to it so that then we can use it? Or, you know, how do you respond to that, that learning as a child, I think is really interesting from an empathy perspective. 
to see how you deal with it through other various stages of development all the way up till the time that you're an adult where you know typically your brain now is done growing so you've you've kind of not that you can't change but you've you've kind of cemented your approach to those emotions and how you deal with them i think that's such an interesting idea to see how predictive childhood behavior is in that perspective I think the other thing, too, is that we get a lot of our emotional intelligence from our main examples, which are our parents, our family members. That's where we are gaining, I think, our understanding of emotions and understanding how you deal with them and things like that. So I think another step, too, in adulthood is also what of this is actually mine and what of this did I learn from the examples that I had. And I think that's another place where your astrology is you, right? So this is what you are working with. Anything else outside of that might be a learned behavior that's not actually you and how you emotionally process. And so like reconciling too, even as you're growing up, your emotional processing and intelligence with the examples that you're getting is so hard. I think that I would agree with quite a few of the things that you said there. I think the only place that I would disagree is, you know, yeah, we're learning from our parents and the people around us, but I think that that's still a part of you. I think that the environment that you're in becomes a part of you. And I think that to me, at least, that's an important part of emotional intelligence is saying like, yes, I have a tendency to react in this way. And it's not to say that you can't change it if it's something that you don't like, right? Like, you know, hey, I don't like that when things don't go my way, I tend to lash out in this way. It might have been a learned behavior, but the point is that that's part of you because it's it's the way that you react. And so by recognizing that this is part of me, this is how I react in these situations, we're starting to extract some of that rational understanding from the emotion. And that's, to me, what allows us to change that behavior into something that is more positive to us. So I think that's the only place I disagree. I think it's important to take ownership of that as part of yourself. I No, I agree with that. I do. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's not to say that we can't get things from our parents that that aren't necessarily inherent within us that don't that actually serve us. Like they can teach us really good behaviors and it's like, "Oh, my natural tendency maybe is to have a temper, but luckily from the wonderful examples I was raised around, I learned a different way to to deal with things. So I think you're right. I think it is important to, to look at the environment and to understand what, what you're gaining from that and extrapolate things that are going to serve you. And I think that it goes both ways of, of behaviors that serve you and behaviors that don't, and just understanding where they came from and taking the responsibility to say, these are the ones that work for me. And these are the ones I want to work on. The Oracle poll this week is coming from the Work Your Light Oracle deck. It's a beautiful deck, and it is no. That's what the card says. It literally says no. Wait, postpone, pause, say no. So there's something coming up. There's something that you're considering. 
there's a demand being put on you that you just need to say no to. It's not going to serve you. It's not going to help you to go out of your way to do something if you don't have the energy to do it because you will be giving 25, 50, 10% to something that needs 100% of you. So if there is something reaching into your life right now that's asking you to give it energy and you just don't have it, it's okay to say no. What a great card to pull. I think this is going to be one of the most overlapping psychological wellness tips and tarot cards that we've had. I think no is such a powerful thing. And it's it's a tool that we are discouraged from using as children. And a lot of us hold on to that through adulthood. But it's such a powerful tool in establishing the self. I think the ability to say no, the power to say no, allows us to build that safe space within our lives where, you know, it's like that nice little blanket that you just get to snuggle up in every once in a while. And you're like, no, I don't want to go out tonight. I want to stay home and I want to watch Netflix. And also I'm going to get two pizzas and I'm going to eat more of them than I should. And that's okay. I think that one of the things that we get really hesitant about in life is not being able to say no because it's rude or it's negative or it's all of these things. No is healthy. And so that is the psychological wellness tip for this week. Practice saying no. 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 No, 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 no. <laughs> no, we're not going to do this. <laughs> no, we're not. No. Okay, let's move on. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Full Circle, the Magic Mindset Podcast. If you want to learn more about us or hear previous episodes, you can visit leahlily.com slash full circle podcast. There you can find previous episodes and also our show notes where we include previous tarot polls, links, and more extras from each of our episodes. You can also engage with us on Twitter at full circle underscore P-O-D. And we also have a community on Facebook under Full Circle The Magic Mindset Podcast, where we hope to communicate and talk with you. You can share your insights, your thoughts on our themes, and more in that community. If you want to listen to more of our episodes, we are on Spotify and iTunes, and also on my website. We release new episodes every Monday. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.